0: Welcome to Marking Minute by Presco.
1: From engineered film to safety markers, take a minute to explore the products that impact us every day.
0: Hello, I'm James Kent for The Marking Minute, brought to you by Presco. Quick reminder uh, we have plenty of great Marking Minute episodes available, so make sure you're subscribing to The Marking Minute on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you seek out your podcast content. Today, we are going to talk about two pieces of legislature that are important wins for infrastructure. Uh, the first is ARDOF, or the Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, which provides over $20 billion in funding for rural broadband and construction over the next 10 years. And the second is the newly signed into law Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And to help break down the specifics of these two pieces of important legislation is Mindy Reed. Mindy's a national account manager with Trident Solutions Presco, a Trident company. Trident provides many types of identification products from trace wire to marking posts and labels that are integral to so many industries involved with infrastructure. Mindy, welcome to the Marking Minute.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Also joining us is Brian Holmes. Brian is the VP of Business Development and Engineering at ProLine Safety Products, a Trident company. Brian, welcome to the Marketing Minute. How are you today?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having us, James.
0: Excellent. Let's talk about RDoF first, because this is a recent program, but it is not brand new. It's part of the USF, or Universal Service Fund Program under the SEC, and the commitment to the $20.4 billion in funding occurred at the start of 2020. Uh, but the funds are available, and companies applied for these funds, and bids were awarded. Are all of the funds allocated, or can companies still take advantage of these funds? Mindy?
1: James, you're right. It started over two years ago in August of 2019 on the Art but it really, truly started before then as an extension of the Connect America Fund. And you're right about the 20 billion and the two different phases. And you know, is there money left? You know, the first time there was 16 billion that was um, really set for phase one, and then phase two was supposed to be in the neighborhood of 4 billion. And so if you look at you know what um, what we have seen that has been awarded so far, only about 11 billion out of that 16 billion um, has been slated. And all of the bidders had to go through um, a, a different uh, three different pieces. They had to go through an auction and then they had to go through a short form application and a long form application. So, not all of those were awarded yet. Um, I believe that the phase one, the, the actual funds have been allocated, um, but they, quote-unquote, may not have been all approved through that uh, long-form process yet. So, is there still money available? Some.
2: We're going to be in a while where everything underneath phase one, for the most part, um, everything is pretty much closed off. Uh, we are just waiting on everything to funnel through from the paperwork right now. But what we can see is basically the new bidding uh, and opening will start for phase two.
1: And I would like to add on phase two has not been awarded yet. According to a report released November 10th of 2021, the FCC, there were authorized its fourth round of broadband deployments through RDOF. 1.7 billion of the 50 broadband uh, uh, providers have provided the service to over 400,000 locations in 26 states. Those 26 states are slated in funding including Alabama, Arizona, California, Missouri, Montana, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, to name a few. Um, the bulk of today's funding will go to the nonprofit rural electric cooperatives to deploy broadband throughout the service areas, and those service areas had to be approved through their long form application. If you go back to pre-COVID, when we were all in offices and/or schools, it's even more so important today because so many of us are working remotely. So this is to get those locations that did not have service or lack of wireless broadband services, they have service now or will have service in the near future.
0: As for the awarding of funds, uh, what can companies use this money for or how are they using it? I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people, they they understand this bidding process and that money is awarded, but a lot of times people are wondering, okay, so what do they use the funds for?
1: Yeah, James. So if you look at the different projects and the items that it can be used for, in some cases, it could be used for aerial construction, um, underground construction, where is some of the places you know, that we specialize in, mm-hmm. uh, fire replacement, placement of the activation and the power supplies, uh, testing supplies that are required, and also building the infrastructure. And as I mentioned, Trident Solutions um, case, Presco, ProLine, Rhino, um, and William Frick, we can provide any of those underground identification tracking and tracing products.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, in regards to the funds, um, a lot of this may also go in some regards to municipalities. Um, Historically, um, most people think of fiber um, being like a Comcast or a cha- a charter uh, communications, which Mindy will touch on in a sec. But there's also broadband that comes from a municipal service. So we're going to have both private entities as well as municipalities that are uh, getting in on the RDOF funds.
0: So did we mention that RDOF's been around for a couple of years now. And Mindy, you just also mentioned that rural communities Obviously, that's like the main focus here. Uh, But for those end customers, those consumers in rural communities who have been waiting uh, for this increased access to broadband, what are they seeing now? And when should they start seeing the benefit to them from this major investment? Are they seeing it now?
1: Yeah, in some cases, James, I mean, they're seeing some of the investments put into action today. But also, if you really think about it, it's going to be six to eight years mm. that these these products um, and projects are actually put into place. So if you look at the uh, winning bid list of the auction, there were two of the top um, contenders. Um, the number two contender was charter communications that Um, received a significant amount of money to be able to um, put in 8,600 miles. um, And they're projecting that this is going to take six to eight years. So if, if you really think about it, it may not be tomorrow that we see it. It's going to be, you know, further out in the future. And then you also see that you know if the long forms weren't approved, then those people are still in the process of getting the the approval of the funds so that they can start those projects. I think that we're really going to see each piece just you know a trickle effect and get further and further down the line of of where everyone is is focusing and where they're going and. And, you know, the other thing about the RDOF money, too, is that only 10 percent a year is going to be released. So if you if you look at that funding, then it is going to have to go out further and further.
2: In regards to what Mindy said, uh, absolutely 100 percent correct. Uh, I'd also like to chime in and, and and say that there's going to be what we call a, a chain-linked event here uh, across the RDoS. So throughout all the municipalities, the electrical uh, rural co-ops, um, a lot of this comes down to the right-of-way. Um, a lot of the larger companies like Charter, uh, for example, um, might have holding partners that are in the electrical co-op world and they already own that infrastructure space, whether it be aerial power lines that are already in place. And we're just gonna basically take fiber and put it right on top of that and have it right, right along with, or if we have power cables that are underground in right away trenches, um, we can piggyback right off of those as well. Um, the biggest issue with the rural um, is a lot of your electrical infrastructure is in place to get service, but the process of going through and basically getting a new domain to run, you know, a subset of fiber through on its own is, is very difficult from an environmental standpoint, plus all the regulations. Um, so the rural community is is is, is really doing this right um, on the RDoF side with the electrical rural co-ops. That's going to be the fastest way to get broadband into the rural communities at the end of the day.
0: Mindy, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, uh, but from a product perspective, what's Trident's role in supporting the RDOF Broadband Project, and, and what have you seen in terms of growth in those utilities that rely on your products, and they're also involved with this broadband initiative?
1: So, James, from you know a Trident perspective, Presco and Proline, William Frick, and Rhino, we have seen um, probably twenty percent upwards of twenty percent growth in the different um, companies. But then also we we also have not seen all of the funds that have been released, right? So once those funds start releasing, I think that it's going to even I would say point to um, trajectory growth, right? I mean it's just going to go upwards um, from there. But from you know what we participate in. I'll let Brian cover that.
0: Okay. yeah. Well, so, Brian, sort of as a piggyback onto that, I wanted to talk about, you know, say ProLine safety because your specialty is underground utility marking products. Uh, what are you seeing in terms of RDOF projects since a lot of broadband is supplied underground?
2: Well, first, you know, a little bit more about the Trident Solutions because this is how it all comes together. Trident Solutions, is, it's a combination of four companies that are all industry leaders in their own right. And we all came together as a team. That's the most important part. Uh, Those companies, as Mindy uh, has expressed earlier, is Proline Safety Products, Rhino, uh, Presco, and William Fritt. Our core focus as a group um, all revolves around the prevention of damage to utility assets um, and saving lives under the Trident solutions that was formed. Each of these companies will play a critical role in the protection and the identification um, of any utilities assets, um, especially in the broadband. We offer a complete solution from start to finish um, that involves locating, marking, identification um, of those utilities, um, as well as some safety products uh, that protect the construction site um, and saves lives. If we drill in a little bit to you know ProLine specifically and you know what each of the entities bring. To make this marriage work, ProLine specializes in the engineering, developing, and manufacturing a complete underground locating and marking system that is tailored to the utilities uh, across the world. No one system is ever the same. Yes, there are some cookie cutters, um, but there is some customization into that that does take place. Ideally, the locating system that ProLine brings to the table is considered the backbone to basically finding that infrastructure and preventing any type of utility damage. It's our preci- a precise way of actually locating. The system itself involves a product called tracer wire, some wire connectors, ground rods, um, and then we have some access points for locate technicians uh, to access the system. Uh, the underground marking system side of the world is uh, basically a buried utility warning tape um, that is considered your last line of defense. Um, to prevent something, uh, somebody from coming in and accidentally hitting it, if a missed mark was done, no marking was done to begin with, no locating was done, or a homeowner. If you're digging in your backyard, uh, you'd rather hit a gas, you'd rather hit a marking tape that says "caution, gas line buried below" versus finding out for yourself. Um, on the Rhino side of things, they specialize in the manufacturing of the what we call at-grade or above-ground marking and identification products. They're an industry leader in terms of the marker posts, uh, any type of in-ground concrete markers, signage for the utility. And these uh, products provide an instant awareness and identification uh, of the world below. Um, These products are what we would consider the first line of defense in terms of saving countless lives and reducing the financial burdens associated with everything. Then we have uh, Presco which uh, specializes in the manufacturing of safety marking products um, and some PVC film substrates. They are uh, the industry leader in utility marking flags, uh, roll flagging, whiskers, barricade tape, safety barrier fencing, marking paint, and more. Um, But these products uh, exclusively support the ProLine side of things because they support the operations of the locating technicians, um, as well as the utility operations themselves, um, excavators, uh, general contractors, uh, surveyors, and, and much more, to be honest. William Frick, on the other hand, is has some similarities to Rhino in the labeling and identification side, but their specialty is in providing labeling products uh, that provide a utility information or information about that utility and its operators. They're going to engineer and design basically any type of high custom quality solution that can literally be labeled to anything you can imagine in the harshest uh, harshest of conditions possible. Products that serve utility sectors for them would be like a snap around cable marker to identify an aerial uh, cable in the air. What is it? Uh, Security labels, RFID tags and labels for asset tracking, uh, tags and labels that are writable and self-laminating for service dates um, and so much more. Um, But if you have a harsh environment condition, there's no better product out there besides William Frick for labeling. So all these products come together is a nice, even four, And they we create this Trident Solution-branded company that allows us to bring everyone together with a product portfolio that is unrivaled. Um, no company can match our collective experience, expertise, and knowledge that we bring to the table.
0: Well, you know, this is a, a very important time for solutions that Trident provides because not only do we have Ardoff, but we have something called the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. <laughs> and that's what we're going to turn our focus on to now because uh, a lot of attention has been on the significance of the amount of money that's being invested here in a trillion dollars uh, with a little more than half of that going towards new public work spending, another $65 billion for broadband, $110 billion for roads, bridges, and other major projects. Uh, so this should, in theory, stimulate a lot of activity from those related businesses and industries. Uh, the bill was just enacted into law. Great. But now what? Uh, What are the next steps for companies and utilities looking to get their mitts on the cash? Uh, Is there a process that is going to be bidding for funds like Ardoff? Do you think this is going to be a situation where the companies that know how the government process works and works with them all the time on these bids will be getting the opportunities? Or do you have some advice for smaller municipalities who want to make sure that they're not left out of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? I know that was a lot to digest, but...
1: Yeah, so the way I see it is, you're right, it just came to um, fruition, right? It was just signed by President Biden, And the way I look at it is that the government agencies are going to be really busy putting (laughs) together their budgets and and things of that nature. And where is all of this money going to go? But I think it's also going to go through um, some of the um, existing product programs like the Clean Water and Drinking um, Fund. Mm -hmm. What they have done is they have appropriated $15 billion into lead service lines and replacements. And in one of the articles I mentioned, um, you know, reading um, is the AWWA, American Water Works Association, um, they mentioned that it's a $60 billion challenge. So when you really think about it, that 15 is just a little drop in the bucket, right? So... Um, I think that we're going to see um, probably a few more funds really being pushed to that because the water and sewer infrastructure is probably some of the oldest infrastructure we have, 80 to 100 years old. And the old acronym, if it ain't break, don't fix it, right? So they fix it when something breaks. <laughs> um, go back to the freeze of last year. And in, in my little town, we had 58 main breaks. And so... It was it was a lot to for a little town to digest. So if you really think about you know the infrastructure being replaced and putting those things into action, I think we'll see um, a lot more clean drinking water and, and wastewater infrastructure that we haven't seen in a very long time. But you had also mentioned you know um, James the broadband. Um, there's 65 billion going back to broadband. So you sa- you still have that RDOF money. Then now you have this uh, utility infrastructure money that's coming into place. But then you also have the power grid. So when you look at you know the the power um, entities that are out there too, and in in getting the electricity to where it needs to go, that's another 65 billion. Wow. And then resiliency, we've got to be able to grow and grow into and be able to be feasible in what we do moving forward. So it's definitely going to change the way that we look at things and and the funds are not going to be appropriated, kind of like the what we were talking about earlier on the RDOF on the phase one, phase two. In, in this particular waterworks sector, there's funds that are going to be appropriated in 2022, 2023, 2025, 26, etc. And it's anywhere from $1.9 to $2, million, $2 billion um, a year. So it's definitely going to change. Now, one of the articles that I read on WhiteHouse.gov Um, The White House does see that it's probably going to be an auction type process, but then it's going to be um, through the coordination of the DOD um, for the Infrastructure um, Investment Act. So I think that it's going to be a little bit of wait and see, but... If you had any advice, you know, or if I had any advice to give, I would say you probably need to get your plans together pretty quick and have a quick call to action because those funds are going to go quick.
2: And then, if you know, adding to that, um, you know, back when President Obama was in office and we had, uh, which would be the previous uh, infrastructure um Bill that was put in, I believe that was upwards of around 800 billion dollars, give or take, in total. The key core difference um, that I personally like better with this is that was all basically tied to what we call shovel-ready projects. Yes, it it it, it helped cities that were underdeveloped that already had things in the works, but a lot of the things that are going to come from the Build Back uh, Better on this infrastructure is. Truly, going to be there's going to be a ton of projects that are designed from the ground up with the idea of getting the underserved communities newer technology, uh, better access to clean drinking water, power, broadband you name it. Um, and as what's interesting is we see the, the broadband that was uh, that Mindy um, had dissected, you know, being about 65 billion, and the power uh, and grid being about another 65 billion. So they're equal. Um, there will be a lot of broadband technically speaking in that power and grid because the industry as a whole is moving to what we call the smart grids so if i'm a large power provider um, i'm putting in i need to put in a broadband network right next to that power cable not necessarily for service uh, to rural communities give or take Um, that is for the internal workings of that company Um, To be able to say, hey, if you're not home at, you know, three o'clock during the day in your community, um, you know, we're going to throttle back the power consumption because you don't need it. We're going to be smarter with that energy. Uh, But that's all going to require fiber, too. So there's a lot there's going to be some of these areas that are crossovers. um, But the key thing here that I like most is that a lot of these projects will be built and designed and engineered today moving forward. Uh, with a, a handful of shovel ready projects um, as well. From a municipal standpoint, it's truly going to come down to uh, getting your projects designed on paper, um, having your plan in place, and then submitting um, you know to the federal agencies for that funding. But even past the federal funding and the submission por- uh, portion, there's still a large, large role and responsibility on the state. Um, and local level um, with the different agencies that are planning these projects on the municipal side. It's one thing to uh, lay a project out um, and say, hey, we're going to put in a million miles or I'm sorry, a thousand miles of water line. It's another thing to actually get the product, get it in the ground and what that duration is going to be. Um, So this will be a long time frame to get all of this done. Uh, My hopes is uh, we'll start to see some action and things actually hopefully getting into the ground, um, hopefully by mid-2022.
0: Well, you know, we've talked about this during this podcast. You can see there's going to be a tremendous amount of work with infrastructure, a lot of projects going on. So with companies like yours, Trident, uh, there's probably a a huge trickle-down effect for you because these projects, as they kick in high gear, there's going to be the increased need for your products. How are you planning ahead for what could be a dramatic increase in need and in business for what you supply?
1: From a manufacturing process, we are ramping up on our our efficiencies and then also from a, a inventory perspective, we have definitely ramped up on what inventory we have in-house um, and, and constantly manufacturing more and bringing in more to suffice because we know that this is going to be a huge issue and challenge for those like Brian was mentioning and getting the projects and getting the product to to make the projects work. So that's some of the things that we have done for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, is it hard to forecast something like that where, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery, especially where, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know what we're going to get for a bill and what's going to get passed. And now it's passed. And it's still hard to kind of figure out exactly what the needs are going to be. Um So I can imagine that's got to be a challenge.
1: Yeah, I went would say is definitely a challenge, but I think also looking at what we have seen in the RDOF, um, we can, you know, make assumptions based upon the mm. growth there that we've seen over the last um, year and then what we're forecasting for this next year. Brian, what would you add there?
2: Yeah, our market, uh, the utility infrastructure market um, as a whole, um is a complete 180 in philosophy from say, like a retail chain, like a Home Depot that is, you know, people are coming in every day and buying things, whether you're a general law, a small contractor, or you're doing it yourself at home. In our world, right, everything is a project. So none of our products, through any of the companies, um, from uh, you know this uh, podcast would be purchased without utility projects. How we've tried to plan for some of this, and, and it appears that it's been working, is we understand that we're going to have a portion of projects which we don't even hear about. They come through our distribution chain. For example, um, for us, a small project I may not hear about, maybe fifty thousand feet of fiber. Sometimes I'll hear about them. Sometimes we won't. There's a ton of those projects that are going on. What we really need to make sure that we're uh, lockstep and in tuned with are the larger buildouts that are going from like the RDOF, the million foot buildouts, because, uh, you know, these smaller projects that are, you know, uh, a one shot wonder. there's always going to be another project behind it. And that could be a a new install. Um, It could be a rehab. Uh, to take out old DSL lines in the case of the fiber industry. The key thing is, is we need to make sure that we're having a pulse with our both our distribution chain as well as the consulting engineers and the utilities themselves. Um, and we've, over the last about three years, um, one of the roles that I've been in from the business development and engineering standpoint um, is not just to get our products in, it's to identify what projects upcoming um, from an 18-month point of view, um, are we seeing that are going to be trickled down and coming you know, to date? So there are, you know, we'll get hit with a two, three million foot project, um, and it may take 18 months, two years to complete that project. Um, but a lot of our distributors and the utilities uh, and the engineers that we work with um, are, are, are pretty good on, on the larger projects on making sure that we understand what their time frame is to complete that project, what their expectations are. Um, And then we bring those expectations to our supply chain um, and our purchasing group and make sure that we have enough raw materials on hand, enough in the pipeline, um, as well as keeping a little bit of what we call emergency raw material, um, because projects do start earlier than expected. Projects get delayed. We need to make sure that we're not in a just-in-time production inventory. And so far, since COVID has hit. Um, We've had to move more into the pre-building inventory for some of these projects and just for generalized stock to take care of the smaller projects. And it seems to have worked pretty good so far. So we're going to roll with that formula into 2022 with a higher percentage that we put on that, just knowing there is more money that is coming down for these projects. And who knows what our growth will be uh, going into next year. I know it will be good, um, but we're, we're here and work with all the utilities that we can, and we're here to manage that supply chain.
0: Besides supplying, locating, and marketing products to critical infrastructure, what else sets Trident Solutions apart in the industry?
2: You know, as we've already discussed with the four companies coming together to form Trident um, and build the powerhouse uh, that we have right now, we clearly bring a breadth of products to the table that we've somewhat already discussed, but we don't just stop there um, we work very closely with utilities municipalities contractors consulting engineers and associations uh, like 811 call before you dig every state has one we're very in working trying to identify problems uh, that are facing the utility world and develop new solutions to tackle those issues now a lot of those problems that may be presented to us have to do along the lines of, hey, I can't find where my utility line is. I I need to be able to locate it because there's a gas line going right next into my water main. Uh, It could be a homeowner that is trying to put a fence in his backyard. Um, But all of these issues are are faced by both the excavator, the actual locate technician uh, service company, as well as the utility. So there's a lot of inefficiencies. Locating systems are nothing new. It's been around for a long time, um, as well as identification. Um, But there are many instances where we come in and design the locating and identification system for the utility ground up. Um, We can sit with a utility and engineer and identify ways to reduce their utility damage on a project while reducing costs and improving the functionality of their system as a whole. We're not just a manufacturer. uh, We help lower the cost of ownership for utility operators, which in turn obviously saves lives. Um, hoping people don't hit lines because our products save them, and reduce the cost of service to the general public. You know, one of the analogies I'll use is, you know, today based on federal and state and local laws, realistically any type of non-metallic pipe system, which would include pretty much all, all broadband fiber these days, must have a locating system on it. Gas and oil are required by law wherever you are in the country you can't go without it even if you're trying to do something yourself and run like a propane line so one of the things that we do is knowing that hey there's already locating systems out there and we've been at it for a long time we've been developing new products that get the job done better at a lower cost Um, hopefully we'll save the what we call the uptime to basically getting on target finding your gas line finding your water line instead of it taking an hour we want it to take 30 minutes um, we want to be more efficient, um, and so we design solutions um, and we keep our ears open and we work with the industry as a collective whole um, to basically not just say, hey, we want to design what we want to design. We truly want to design and bring solutions past what we currently manufacture um, that can tackle new uh, new issues that the market's facing, um, and that's a never-ending process. So we work hand-in-hand. We're not just a manufacturer. Um, we're we're everything you know we cover 360 degrees of this market
1: just to add to what brian is saying is that and he he really said it in the beginning we're a powerhouse people don't realize the different breadth and depth of products that we offer in this space Um, there is no other company like us
0: well it's definitely going to be a time for uh people involved in infrastructure and utilities to get to know you (laughs) because there's a lot that's Uh going to be happening. Definitely. uh, This is a topic we're going to be hearing a lot about in the coming uh, months and years. Uh, But sort of a wrap up question here with RDOF almost, you know, two years in place, infrastructure investment law now enacted, Uh, you know, mentioned we see a lot of potential activity starting and happening in 2022 looking further down the road, let's kick it to the end of the decade. uh, what do you think we're going to be in terms of infrastructure and broadband capabilities when the clock rolls around to 2030?
1: Well, if you're looking at the long-term ethics, I think that people will be able to um, be able to really say no person left behind. They are able to be in front of the schoolwork, in front of the office work, be able to work remotely wherever they can and have that connection that not everyone has. Some people have to rely on going to the library or going to a public p- place that offers it. And that may be 15, it may be 30 miles down the road. So from a, a efficiency standpoint, I think they'll get um, more efficient in how they're able to um, to be able to evolve. And as technology evolves, um, I think, you know, the smarter we get, the smarter the products get, the The more technology will be at our fingertips.
2: And, and I would add, I, I see an environmental, you know, solution coming due with Ardoff, um, then playing a critical role in it. If we just take a step back for a, a second and understand that, you know, how did Ardoff really come to be about, um, you know, a big push, It it, it was likely going to happen at some point regardless, but... That push came when COVID came um, and we had the realization that when schools shut, um, you know, let's look past the fact that moms and dads had to stay home uh, during that time period with their kids uh, to be able to monitor them. Um, it was the fact that the kids uh, couldn't get online, adults couldn't work from home, um, especially if they were in rural areas or didn't have a good internet connection. But what we're going to see, what we're seeing now is there are some companies that are looking at the uh, efficiencies of working from home. Not, It's not for everybody. Um, But there definitely and clearly are efficiencies. So from an environmental standpoint, um, I likely see that um, while the market is moving to electrical vehicles, uh, as an example, it will further exacerbate the reduction um, of gas and carbon emissions from vehicles because the companies that, that, that can be more efficient by having certain employees work from home and the employees want to, and it makes sense, you're cutting down on things like driving time gas. You're reducing these overall costs at the end of the day and certain things that affect the environment. Will it help that much? It's to be foreseen. Um, but I think the biggest thing that we're going to gain from this is, you know, over the last 20 years, we've been in a technological boom. And I would say probably even the past 30 years, um, but more so the data integration side from the, the birth of a Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, all these huge data networking integration, you um, Uh, pyramid schemes that are out there we're now hearing about driverless cars Um, you know I I don't know what the future holds and if we're all going to be you know 20 years from now driving like George Jetson but everything that they're putting in place this is the building block to get to that that vision Um, I use the analogy nobody thought at some point we'd ever land on the moon we did Um, that was a long time ago Um, what's the next best great thing is it flying cars who knows Um, But data is the key most ingredient to the advance of technology at the end of the day. The faster we can access stuff, um, the smarter that and more efficient that we can be. uh, That is what broadband and fiber will provide us. So it'll be interesting to see. But uh, I think we'll come a long ways in the next 10 years. The next 10 years. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mindy Reed, National Account Manager for Trident Solutions Presco, a Trident company, and Brian Holmes, VP of Business Development and Engineering with ProLine Safety Products, a Trident company. It's been a pleasure chatting with you both today, getting your insights on this topic. Uh, It's certainly an exciting time. If folks want to get in touch with Trident uh, and ProLine Safety to learn more about the wealth of products and solutions you have to offer, what's the best place for them to go?
1: They can contact me, Mindy Reed, um, National Account Manager. M. at presco.com, or um, they can call or email our sales at prolinesafety.com. com.
2: If anybody watching this podcast needs help designing and uh, finding their systems, um, you know, engineering support is here to give you a better system or help you with a solution that is needed or uh, help solve and tackle a problem. My email is uh, B Holmes, H O L M E S at ProLineSafety.com. I am also accessible through
0: Mindy Reed, and she is accessible through myself. Excellent. Again, Mindy and Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, James.
1: Thank you, James.
0: And thank you for watching this episode of The Marking Minute brought to you by Presco. I'm James Kent, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.